So, Berto, uh, listener Jed, I believe, wrote in and said that he really wants us to talk about the Pickle Rick episode. Pickle Rick! So, this is, if you're not familiar, the, the TV show Rick and Morty, and it, it depicts a, a family therapy session. And so, patron Jed is like, hey, you know, let's, 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 talk, let's, about let's talk about that. So, what do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Castaneda. I am an iPhone X repair, per, repair purpose person. Uh, so what's the deal with this episode? Like, is it, it, it's sort of a cultural phenomenon among, among Rick and Morty people, right? Yeah, actually, it's, it's sort of tr- um, traditional Rick and Morty fans or long-term Rick and Morty fans sort of don't like it. And I think... It's because of the whole, I was into Nirvana before they got famous kind of situation. Pickle Rick uh, got a lot of notoriety beyond the normal circle of, of, you know, hardcore Rick and Morty fans. And I think that annoyed a lot of them. Not me. I I happen to really like the episode. But You've been into Rick and Morty since the beginning. No, I have not. I've been into them for a while. I, I had already heard about it. In fact, I remember seeing a picture of it when they were first coming out, and I thought the concept was brilliant. I'm like, oh, it's Doc and, Mor- and Marty. This is brilliant. And I remember thinking, oh, I really, I really should look out for that. But then I didn't, and, and time went past. So season two was already out when a friend of mine, Mitch, was like, dude, dude, we got to watch Rick and Morty. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I've, I've been oh. meaning to watch it. But this feel, it was like a year ago. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it was a year and a half ago. It's, it, was before, it, it was before Rick and Morty was a phenomenon. Well, before it got this big, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I started, and then I marathoned the two seasons incessantly. I've and probably you, seen you, them like 10 times. I remember you talking about the app on your phone. And I played Pocket Morty till I maxed out the, the game. Yeah, it was really interesting. So um, I certainly was into it when season three came out. Interesting. Okay. So can you explain to non-Rick and Morty people what what the appeal is and what the audience, because I, I feel like... There's a lot of people going, what's all this stuff about Rick and Morty? The thing about Rick and Morty is you may not have the high level enough of the IQ to understand the subtlety of the humor. Plus, you might need a deep understanding of astrophysics. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm I'm butchering a meme that's online. But that's what (laughs) many fans are saying. Yeah. Okay. So, essentially, Rick and Morty is based on uh, Doc and Marty from Back to the Future. And essentially... but. Very loosely. Not not loosely, my friend. This is a, a crazy scientist with white hair who builds all sorts of contraptions. Yeah. And he's got this kid who looks suspiciously a lot like like Marty. Yeah, but it, beyond that, with him. But beyond that, it's pretty it's it's pretty different. You know. Well, I mean, it's very crude. Uh, well, certainly they the go on they crude. go on a lot of adventures. You know, uh, all there's the a time. scene in Back to the Future too where uh, what's the girl from um, Karate Kid? Elizabeth Shue. Shue, yeah. She's in the middle of the two of them. And she's like waking up and she's like, oh my, or she's, she's awake and she's like, oh my God, did we just time travel? How are we flying? And she's saying all these things. And Doc grabs some contraption and turns around, sprays her in the face and she goes plonk, passes out. And, and Mar- Marty is like, the Doc, what did you just do? And he's like, uh, it's better this way. It's like a total Rick and Morty moment. Anyways. The point is, that's what the original inspiration was. And then these guys, Dan Harmon and um, 
what's Justin Rowland, right? Justin Rowland came up with the with the idea, and then he does the voices, right? And then Dan Harmon, I think, wrote Community and, and a few. So other Dan Harmon came to this project already with a huge cult following. That's right, yeah. Because he did Community, and before that, he did what did he do before that? I, I don't remember. He's done a bunch of things that are in what you might consider like the nerd community. He did a podcast. He did another podcast in which they played D and D live. He still has that, I think. He, there's a documentary about him in yeah. which he comes across as this as this sort of struggling genius who has emotional problems and a lovable asshole hmm. kind of a, you know a sort of a sort of Rick character. Sure, you know. So the the premise so, of the so, show. So before the whole show even begins, there's all these people who have. You know, he's got a huge he's following a following, yeah. of a, a very niche group of of right. m- mainly nerds, mainly dudes, yeah. who are just you know champing at the bit for like the next right. Dan Harmon project. Yeah, and so, and so the the premise of the show is that there, and, I, and, and I just have to say I'm God coming I'm coming across <laughs> like I, sorry I'm coming across like I don't <laughs> like him. Uh, I think Dan Harmon's really great. I, yeah. I think that, but I'm a little annoyed with some of the the fan talk. I see. Because it's one thing to like a show, which is fine. I mean, I'm a nerd about all sorts of stuff. It's another thing when there's like legitimate anger about certain things related to the show or things that happen in the show. Like there were, yeah. there's some women who are writers for the show and have been yep. and have been totally targeted by this group yep. because it... it the, the, somehow these women, it was it was associated like oh the the show is completely dumb now and it's because these two women and and not be not because right. these women but because they are women. Well, so Pickle Rick was one of those episodes, oddly enough, right? And so and then you had the whole Szechuan sauce thing happen, yeah. Which I have to say is just like this weird, unfortunate kind of lack of social skill kind of situation that, that emerged. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause let, it, let, let me, let me give, cause I don't know if people still know, but like, let, let me say like really quickly, the show's about a, a, a crazy scientist who's got this, this um, grandson and he takes this grandson on crazy adventures across all sorts of dimensions and space. Right. And it's an entertaining show. The, episode, the episodes are short. It's animated. Uh, I should point out. It's, yeah. It's a cartoon. It, it it's unconventional. It's very adult swimmy, you know. It, yeah. It's it's unconventional in the. It's not like it's not like The Simpsons, you know. It right. it they sort of linger on things longer. It's got kind of a dark tone at times, but it's basically just entertaining. It's fun, right? And e- and even though most episodes uh, are sort of ridiculous and and feel a little bit random, um, they intersperse in there some real existential questions. Yeah, and they they actually bring up some very good topics about and, and what it means to be someone and alive and in this yeah. universe. Because <laughs> Dan Harmon is very good with that. Yeah. And it's a show about family relationships. That's right. And about how basically Rick, the grandfather, is a lovable asshole, is what they say. And right? he abandoned he abandoned the family for years. He was missing. He was an absentee father to his daughter. Yeah. And he's come back into their lives. Right. And so... There's a divorce in the family, and and there's just there's some real human, yeah, uh, kind of like uh, Roseanne kinds of kinds of experiences where it's it's right. like gritty life. And and one of the tropes from the beginning of the show 
is that the daughter, Beth, always excuses everything about Rick's behavior, Rick's the grandpa, uh, no matter how extreme. And uh, the husband, Jerry, is always sort of like, you know, caught in the middle and he's, he's, he's trying to like mediate. And then also Jerry is seen as sort of a, a doof and things like this. But there's, there's this dynamic. And all of this in season three comes, you know, it comes to a head because Jerry and Beth are separated. And now Beth is sort of having to deal with Rick without being able to scapegoat Jerry. And this episode, the Pickle Rick episode. Well, so I just want to one, one last thing before yeah. we get to Pickle Rick is that as is common with a lot of cultural lightning rods for nerds, such as myself, there's a appeal to a character like Rick because Rick is this super smart guy yeah. and he has all this power and he can kind of do whatever he wants and everyone just sort of looks the other way. Right. And he's sort of like a, um, like a, uh, Bundy, what was the, the that show? Al. Al Bundy character. Yeah. But in this case, yeah, it's one of those like the ends justify the means. <laughs> right. And, and he's always, he, he's all, the show kind of centers around Rick and his genius and how he always wins the day and, and how, and how he's never stressed out because he's always like, well, you know, and, and he kills like lots of people and and stuff. And and they've written this line between there's episodes where they come so close to finally justifying his behavior because, Oh, he was doing it for this good cause. But then in the same episode, they give him an out. (laughs) Right. And so there's all this commentary right now about how the writers are, subtly trying to communicate to these hardcore fans, these these people who are taking the the Rick hero heroism a little too literally, that Harmon and others are trying to communicate to this group like, look, I get that you like this character and, and will definitely entertain you, but in the end, you have to acknowledge that intelligence isn't isn't the goal. And power isn't the goal. The goal is human relationships and being kind to other people. But at the same time, they don't want to completely write Rick into a whole other scenario, right? They don't want to completely diverge the character because then no one will watch the show anymore. Am I describing this accurately? Yeah, totally. I mean, to the point where... I mean, I like I said, I've seen the first two seasons probably ten times because one of the things that I do is I I watch it on the background as I'm doing other things. It's one of those shows for me, um, and so I, I think that a lot of the things that that some of the fans are upset about in season three were already there as uh, they were being hinted at or foreshadowed from the beginning. What are they upset about exactly? Uh, well, f- for example, that uh, Rick is no longer like all powerful. Like in many cases, he's lost control or he loses control and he's not in control, I should say. Or that there's too many feminist messages in season three. Like what? Uh, like, for example, uh, uh, um, so uh, when the episode where they, uh, they go on the Mad Max stuff, mm. like the second episode, I think, is in the season. I haven't seen it. Uh, okay. Well, anyways, there's a few episodes where... The sister, uh, Morty's sister is sort of like independent and strong and a strong woman. And so they feel like, oh, no, it's like this feminist crap and stuff like that. What? Yeah. And um, they also, 
basically they feel like they are now trying to be what they call social justice warriors. So, so answer me this: Was the appeal to this percentage of viewers that these two guys, particularly Rick, was overpowering women? Was that tickling some kind of? Not only overpowering, it was the uh, look. Uh, Beth was sort of like always clueless about what was going on, and Summer, the the sister, uh, was involved in some of the adventures, but it was really about Rick and Morty. And Rick was someone who had, you know, treated uh, the the like he had this affair with this multi personality entity, and he was basically the alpha asshole guy. And so I think they, well, there's an alpha guy, right? And um, and and in general, the whole attitude is. Look, I'm super smart. I'm a guy. Everything else, including certainly including females, are not as important. It seems interesting because when I watch the show, it that I don't take away any of that stuff. Right. I'm just like I'm just like, yeah, Rick's an asshole, yeah, and, and yeah. he's probably very sad on the inside. But right. you know, but it's just a cartoon. It's funny, but well, somehow yeah. like there's a group of people who have these this internet sort of misogyny. Yeah. And I do blame it on the internet, by the way. Like, I don't remember seeing this this brand of misogyny before the internet, you know? There's a certain echo echo chamber of weird misogyny that that I'm just like, man, where... I don't remember... Do you remember... Don't you feel like it's a... Especially the language that they use, you know? Hmm, and, yeah. and the way they react to things. No? You're probably right. I, like, I mean... Like, like when... Janeway, you know, the first female captain of of a Star Trek yeah. uh, show. I don't remember. I don't remember anyone around me saying the things that I see in a certain small percentage of people on the internet today. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that's maybe true. I don't. I don't know. All I know is that they're that one of their complaints is that oh, the female writers are now trying to do this like little social messages and and what's and wrong with to, that? Like what? Like the whole thing is just like nothing. what's wrong with a message that women are people too? You know, so, as long as the show, if the show is uh, if the show is dumb, like if if this season is not entertaining, like it's not funny or the stories aren't interesting, then fine, just bl- you know say that. But to like target because it's like. So, so take Pickle Rick, which we still haven't talked about. But one of the reasons they hate that show or that episode is because they feel that – well, there's, there's probably two main reasons. One of them is they feel like it, it, it takes away Rick's control and it's sort of – it's like – God. It, it's sort of like, oh, Rick's forced to admit that there may be something wrong. Oh, and the therapist is a super smart woman that outsmarts Rick. I, you know, then, I, I can't, I just, it is uh, astounding, the misogyny and the ridiculousness of, and I'm sure uh, we're going to get emails about this, you know, Well, because I'm going to label this, I'm going to label this, uh, Rick and Morty fans are idiots, that's, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to label this psychology of Pickle Rick, and we're going to get some, like, randos, Yeah, we're going to well, get some hop-ons, and th- listen, uh, Pickle, Pickle Rick also got a, not, a lot of notoriety outside of people that don't usually watch the show. And that also annoyed but, a lot of these people. Okay, fine. But the thing is, is like, okay, so let's just describe the episode. So you got a school principal tells the family that they have to go to counseling because Morty has been desk wetting and <laughs> Summer has been huffing pottery enamel. Rick changes himself into a pickle to get out of going to family therapy. and the, But the family goes to therapy anyway, and Rick, as a, who's a pickle now, falls into the sewer 
and he's very vulnerable. By, by the way, anyone who's not familiar with the show at this point is like, you lost me a pickle. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> so Rick is this, you know, scientist and he changes himself into a pickle because he doesn't want to go to family. And therapy. he tries to sell it as I did it because I wanted to show that I could and yeah. no one else could have done this. Yeah. And, and it had nothing to do with family therapy. That, and then, then they ask like, what's this needle like dangling above you that's yeah. on a timer? Right. And that's nothing. Ignore that. Right. Yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. And so he falls into the sewer and through this really funny set of sequences of events, he figures out a way to make himself a, because he can't move, he doesn't have any legs or, right. or hands, but he figures out a way to piece together different pieces of a rat. It's one of my favorite episodes, man. To, he, to, <laughs> he figures out a way, and, it, and the way it sequences, like he kills a cockroach, the rat comes over to eat the cockroach, or no, he, he, no, he, 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 he kills he, the cockroach. He, 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 he gets on top of the cockroach, cockroach and stimulates the brain of the cockroach. To use he, it as a body. Because he, <laughs> he only has a mouth, is the thing, and so he has a tongue, and then he gets over there, and then he, he kills one of the rats, he kills more rats, and then he builds this suit out of parts of rats and then he he uses uh electricity to stimulate the muscles in such a way and he figures out how to hook it up to his pickle brain and then and then he ends up sort of he tries to escape the sewer but he ends up in this compound of some like it's like an embassy like but, well it's not an embassy so slovakia not slovakia it's like, but it's some sort of it's some sort Solania. of like yeah european gangster Solania. A com- com- <laughs> compound with all these guards yeah he he's trying to get out, but he can't, and he proceeds to kill everyone. And it's like a Die Hard and yeah. a whole bunch of other movies combined. So so I just want to stop there and say, like, anyone who is looking for Rick to be kick-ass, I don't think you get any more kick-ass. This than, is so amazing. <laughs> like, it is the most kick-ass thing. It's the most... He's he. There's half the episode or more, probably more, is, is, is Rick disemboweling... <laughs> Uh, uh, shooting people in the head with this laser that completely cuts their heads off. But which was built out of spare parts and a battery. Yeah. <laughs> spare uh, office supplies. He, he proceeds to, uh, uh, and you see blood and guts. He proceeds to just dismember. He's a pickle yes. with rat parts as a body. <laughs> and he proceeds to, so which it's so, we, so it's a funny episode and it, it moves pretty quick. And then, you know, he... He moves a, a plastic bottle from the trash to the recycling because he wants to shame them, you know, all these things. And then uh, Danny Trejo is like, <laughs> is this uh, other character? And it, it's just, it's, it's, it's hilarious. So, and it's, oh, was that Danny Trejo? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. <laughs> and it's fun, it's even funnier that people would consider Jeff that Mark. to be, yeah, people would consider that to be a social justice thing or that Rick wasn't powerful enough. It's just well, like, it was, it was, be, well, now, now I'm just like interpreting these silly things, but I think it was that Rick, uh, put himself in this powerless situation out of fear of going to therapy with, which Rick wouldn't have done cause he would have just left to another dimension. <laughs> well, then you wouldn't have a TV show. My not friend. only, absolutely. Not only that, but that actually is where it completely misses the point that there is one relationship that does affect Rick deeply, and that's with his daughter. Yeah. And that it, when his daughter is the one starting to solo, sort of be like, maybe we need to question this and go to... All of a sudden, Rick is confronted with something that he doesn't usually have to deal with and doesn't know how to deal with. Right. And so he lashes out in a super infantile way, yeah. but at the same time, puts himself into this like, 
almost test of his power. <laughs> well, he becomes very vulnerable. And so yeah. psychologically, we would say that Rick actually deep down feels very vulnerable right. and made himself very vulnerable in an unconscious way of trying to communicate that. Because like you said, he could have just walked away. The opening episode, the first episode of season one, he is drunk off his ass piloting his flying saucer with Morty and he's telling Morty that he's giving it all up and he's going to blow up everything. And then crash lands because Morty forces him to crash land. And then... And then, and then he's like, oh, "I was just trying to teach you a lesson." And then Morty's like, "Ugh." And then, uh, so the neutrino bomb's not real. It's like, "Oh, maybe," or something like that. And then the neutrino bomb starts ticking, and that's the that's the opening credits. That scene is not a Rick in control. That scene is a Rick who is out of control. Right. So that's the opening of the show. Right. So a lot of the. A lot of the talk is on 4chan, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I guess. I haven't actually followed the... the I, don't, I haven't been to 4chan in years. No. You no, were I'm on 4chan... I'm serious. ...more recently than years. Uh, I, like, as in, I, as in, I checked for a second to see if it had at all... But it didn't, and it's exactly the same cesspool. Okay. So, no, I haven't been on 4chan. Yeah, so, so the... I want to point out that Rick and Morty is a very popular show, and it's only a small sliver of internet misogynists who are who are talking who yeah. I'm, who I'm complaining about and and my emotional reaction to that small sliver is because I get daily emails from these people yeah. for any time because I'm on the internet so anytime I and for this episode because I'm reacting I'm going to get more I'm going to get more emails I I know it um and so uh, so it, I live with these fuckers do you know what I mean yeah. like on a daily basis and yep. so it's just it's aggravating to me on a visceral level. Yeah. Like you probably just occasionally dip into 4chan and read a couple comments and walk away. Like you don't get like daily emails and provocations from people. No, the, the part that traumatizes me on a regular basis is uh, Facebook comments on on political posts. Yeah. So no, I don't I don't get emails directly addressed to me on a regular basis. Right. Okay, so while Pico Rick is proceeding to slice and dice all these uh, people, uh, meanwhile, the mother and the two kids are in family therapy with Dr. Wong, who is voiced by Susan Sarandon. Right. And the therapist asks Beth, the mother, why her father, Rick, isn't there. And the, the therapist seems to think that that the, the mother, Beth, is in denial about the way that Rick treats the family. And she is. Making <laughs> Completely excuses, in denial. Yeah. And the mom tries to redirect the session to focus on, on the kids and, yeah. how, and how the kids are all screwed up. We're here why they're doing this. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you know, they're just angry because I divorced their dad is what she's right. saying. But the therapist seems to think that the kids are angry because of the chaos that Rick creates. <laughs> By the way, I love that. They're just angry. They're just angry because I divorced their dad. As if that alone wouldn't be enough of a topic. Yeah. Uh, Then, uh, so they go back and forth. They get some I statements down. And the kids seem to be really enjoying the session. Then Rick finally arrives in the session, which is interesting because he could have not come to the session. (laughs) Right. And he arrives as completely battered. (laughs) As as Pickle Rick. And I love this scene where he gets uh, a bullet through part of it. And he, he takes a... A hamburger that has a has a dill pickle and like yeah. attaches it to. Him. Maybe remember it's the Rambo scene, but it, the Jaguar is doing the human version of it. Yeah, and then he's doing the pickle version of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and they're both going ah. 
<laughs> right. I mean, that's the Harmon sort of genius about mixing in these yeah. different, you know, pop culture references and stuff. Um, so, so Rick comes to the session and he says he doesn't respect therapy. Uh, he says, you know, when I, when I don't, I don't need therapy because, you know, when I don't like something about the world, I change it. Um, and so I was reading online and someone was saying, so he became helpless and vulnerable in his own way. And then only when faced with death and, and the sewer, did he science the shit out of things to survive. Um, anyway, so the, the, the therapist then, so Rick kind of goes off. It's like, I don't like therapy and I'm bored with therapy and da, 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 da. And then Dr. Wong, Susan Sarandon comes back with this like epic speech, right? It's the goodwill hunting speech, right? <laughs> and, and it goes by pretty quick. And so I actually had to read it again because it, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, she's saying a lot of things in here. Right, I, right, I, right. I don't really like, and plus I'm not, I'm not a huge, I, I haven't watched all the shows. So, so as I was watching the episode, I was at the end, I'm like, so why is this episode so popular? And I started reading and I was like, oh, it's because these relationships have, have such a backstory right. going into this, into this yeah. yeah. So the therapist, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read most of it. Rick, the only connection between your unquestionable intelligence and the sickness destroying your family is that everyone in your family, you included, use intelligence to justify sickness. You seem to alternate between viewing your own mind as an unstoppable, unstoppable force and as an inescapable curse. And I think it's because the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that it's your mind is 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 that it's your mind within your control. You choose to come here. You choose to talk to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. Sorry, you chose to come here. You chose to talk to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. <laughs> I love that. That's. Uh, I like how she just as matter of fact, like you know, you words a, never uttered in a real session. <laughs> yeah. You are the master of your universe, and yet you are dripping in rat blood and feces. <laughs> I love that. It's it's so great. Your, enorm <laughs> your enormous mind literally vegetating by your own hand. I have no doubt that you would be bored senseless by therapy, the same way I'm bored when I brush my teeth or wipe my ass. Because the thing about repairing, maintaining, and cleaning is it's not an adventure. It's just work. And the bottom line is some people are okay going to work and some people, well, some people would rather die. Each of us gets to choose. What do you think of this speech by Dr. Wong? It's so well written because uh, I, I, had, I had a similar moment here. Uh, and the reason I said Goodwill Hunting is, do you remember in Goodwill Hunting where that, that moment when... Uh, it's not your fault. Uh, yeah. Uh, what happens is in the prior scenes, every psychologist has been stumped by Will. And and then you get those first interactions, and Will gets under uh, under what's his name? Robin Williams' skin, and he like nearly you know he chokes him a bit, right? And then I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking, I think the movie's gonna sadly jump the shark in the next bit because they're gonna have to make some little speech that finally gets Will over the hump, and it's not gonna work. It's gonna it's gonna feel forced because what could you possibly say to someone like Will? But they pull it off. Yeah. He uses the whole love. Have you ever actually been in love? Or have you just read about it? See, you read all these books, but you know. And then I was like transformed by that. I was like, wow. They actually managed to write a convincing conversation that this therapist could have had with that kid that you could imagine. 
could have made a dent in, in that impenetrable barrier. Yeah. So in that scene, yeah, that was right. also the, written. The, the like, bad written scene would be something like Robin Williams would be like, you don't know shit. You know what? Like, you, you got to wake up. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Or, yeah, or, just like using the emotion and stuff like that. And then in, but they found that angle. The, have you been in love? Right? Not have you had sex. Have you been in love? Okay. So in this case, it was a similar thing where like, how could they possibly have a scene where Rick gets told off by a therapist? But they found the right angle. It was like, that's right. The, the key is that, that it's, it's boring. It's brushing your teeth. Right. And that scares the shit out of him. Right. And, and, it, and it's like that whole speech is like, wow, that's real. Like everything else of that episode is metaphor, metaphor, metaphor. That's a real speech. Right. That could apply to real people in real situations. Right. The, the, the message is, yeah, I get it. You don't like therapy. And, and, and you think what, you know, she, a, a, a different, a worse writer would say, it would say like, your family needs you, and I and I think inside of you is a good person who needs yeah. family. Like there'd be some kind of like therapisty thing like that. But instead, she doesn't go there. She's just like, yeah, I get it. You, of course, you think therapy is boring. Um, in, in the same way that if I were to brush my teeth or wipe my ass, it's just yeah. it's just like something you do for work. Yeah, because that's the other thing. It could have been you think therapy is boring because you think you're so smart. But you're not as smart as you think you are. Right. No, instead she's like, look, you're the smartest man. In the-. She didn't quite say it, but it's nearly that. She says, and you think therapy is boring. But here's the thing. Therapy is. Therapy is all those things. It's, it's, it's not fun. It's a thing you have to do to maintain. And that message right. shut him up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. He <laughs> he, just, he's, he's never shut up. Right. He just had that look like, mm. like I heard online like, You've never seen Rick have that face where where someone got him. Actually, there was there was another episode. Did you see the one with with uh, 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 what's her name? What the his love interest? No. Uh, what's what's her name? I can't believe it. Anyways, there is a I, I won't spoil it, but there there's a moment in that episode that's similar where it's a rare a rare moment for Rick yeah. of realization. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting message I don't think I've ever seen before. Of just like, look, therapy is not fun. It is work, it, and it's boring, and it it can be boring, just like just like brushing your teeth can be boring, and but the the message is it's like you got to do it, you you got to brush your teeth, you got to wipe yeah. your ass, you know, yeah, um, and that just because you know for him he loves adventure where he might die, you know, he yeah. he likes to, to do that kind of stuff, and and anyway. So in the end, Rick apologizes for lying. Beth gives him the antidote for the for the pickle transformation. Beth and and Rick, uh, as they're driving away, uh, the kids Summer and Morty are like, "I kind of like therapy. I kind of like it. We're not going back." And, and Beth and Rick completely ignore the kids. Yes. And so Beth Beth and Rick decide to get drunk together, which is this big moment because it's like, oh, Beth and Rick, father and daughter, are bonding, it's are having this, are having this wonderful moment. Yep. But there, but the flip side of the coin is now both of them are completely ignoring the kids. Yeah, it's the wrong, it's it's the wrong kind of bonding. <laughs> it's it's like the right the right data, wrong conclusion. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the bottom line about the psychology of pickle, Rick Berto? I I thought it was I for me was one of my favorite episodes because, uh, as you said, if you want to see Rick be a badass, like it's incredible, right? He just 
he goes from being a defenseless pickle to basically taking over, right? Yeah. Um, the action is great. The I thought the humor was great. But there's this there's this rich set of moments that have been building since season one. And 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 at the same time, they don't they don't jump the shark because they sadly still Rick escapes through the cracks. Right. And now takes Beth with him. And in fact the rest of the season Beth Beth is essentially has been taken through the cracks and is now sinking into a hole. Uh, and so it is great. It's like a great speech. It's a great moment with the therapist. Right. It's, the it's, action is just amazing. It's pretty dark. I mean, it's a it, it's a happy ending and a, and it's a terrible ending. Yeah. It, you know, and it's a uh, it's a interesting moment. But is Rick going to actually really change? Like doubtful. You know. Yeah. And so. And no one wants Rick to change is the thing. And to any of you who are, you know, the 4chan haters or something, I just, I employ you to just enjoy the show. Just, just sit back, have some fun, and, and just try, try to have fun. Who are you talking to, man? <laughs> well, 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 that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me. Please take care of yourself because... You deserve it.